back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. You already know what it is. As always, I'm Stuff Alviero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. Say what's up to the people. Well, it's uh, been a good week. I just picked up DeAndre Hopkins in our Dynasty League, so super hyped about that. And Seth and I were rocking the Showtime bourbons. So we got some some bourbon flowing out here on this nice Wednesday evening when we're recording. So it's a pretty good day, Steph. I'm looking forward to a good week of football. We got some interesting buys coming up this week. Chiefs, Falcons, two high-powered offense, a lot of fantasy football pieces there. Cowboys and Jets as well. Um, not so many fantasy options. Thank God we don't have to watch <laughs> yeah, those anymore. Not, not so much for those guys, but a lot of people are scrambling, looking for starts, looking for plug-ins. Um, a lot of flex questions, I'm sure. So I'm excited to get into the show. As always, guys, if you like what we do here on the show, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. That is huge for us. A like is always appreciated there as well. If you are listening on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, a review is always appreciated if you like the show. You can always hit us up with those start sick questions, whether it's down in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter at Double Move Sport. You know, we post a lot of other tidbits on there. Good information. I know every week I'm posting the running back target leaders. I think there's a lot of interesting takeaways from getting into that as well with some of the deeper running backs, especially this year with all these injuries, COVID concerns. And we have a pretty loaded slate. I will say it's it's probably not the best. You know, I don't I don't see like a clear headliner mm-hmm. matchup here. Bucks, Panthers, Texans, Browns, Bills, Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams should all be great games. Those are ones that I'm keeping my eyes on. But there's not really a true headliner here. And, and so far, it seemed like the headliner matchups have all kind of fallen flat. We saw that Bucks Saints game that was an absolute blowout early in the year. You, know, you think of games like the Ravens Chiefs that ended up turning into one-sided matchups that were really really hyped up. Uh, but hopefully this week we do see some burners. My guess it's going to come from that Bills-Cardinals game. I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, but Alex, I think we're ready to jump into it here. Let's talk about our first topic of today. And it's some stud player returns to the NFL field. We had Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, and Antonio Brown all returning, whether it was from injury uh, or just coming back into the league in AB's case. Let's talk about each one of these guys, kind of break down their returns uh, and how we should be treating them both for this week and rest of season. I think we can start with Michael Thomas. Again, in that Tampa Bay game, that was horrible. 38-3 to loss for the Buccaneers. And this game, to me, for Michael Thomas, was really just him shaking the rust off. Um, I'm kind of scared that he's actually going to go back to the old Michael Thomas next game. Uh, he caught five out of his six targets for 51 yards. Only had 10 fantasy points on the day, but only played on 55% of snaps. And this is just like we saw from Debo Samuel earlier in the year, right? He had the one down game with limited snaps against Miami, then blew up the next week. I think we could see that here from Michael Thomas. The Bucs were actually a pretty tough matchup, 11th against wide receivers. Plus the game script was completely lopsided where New Orleans really didn't have to do much. They could just take their foot off the gas towards the end of that game and giving Brady the worst loss of his career, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and a 38-3 loss, the largest point differential loss of his career. So that was absolutely brutal to see for Brady and the Bucs. I think that's from their side. We'll talk about AB here in a minute, but for Michael Thomas, how are you valuing him rest of season after this, you know, first kind of get right game? You know, I think if you have Michael Thomas on your teams, you should actually be happy with this. I mean, I think there was a lot of anticipation. One, you're happy he's on the field, but two, He comes out, he doesn't play a ton of snaps, one, because of the game script. I mean, he didn't have to play for essentially the whole second half um, because of how much of a blowout this was. And two, 
this was a game where we saw the Saints really spread the ball around. I mean, 12 different receivers caught passes. Well, pass catchers, I mean, running backs, tight ends, receivers. 12 different guys caught passes in this game, which is absolutely absurd in the NFL. And Thomas still led the way. Um, and I think his snaps will continue to go up. If they get into a more competitive game, a more competitive game script, he's still going to be that guy that Drew Brees goes to early and often. This was a game where Adam Troutman, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, and Josh Hill all caught touchdowns. I think it's safe to say that moving forward, we're going to see Michael Thomas score more touchdowns than any of those guys. So, you know, I think you don't sell, you don't freak out and say, oh, he's back and he only had 10 points. I think you should be encouraged and hold on to him and keep rolling him out there. I mean, he is a must start for the rest of the season. Um, so, you know, if I have him, I'm valuing him as a top five wide receiver. He's got San Francisco coming up here. They have a pretty injured secondary right now. It's kind of busted. I think anybody can put up points. I think they have Atlanta a couple times coming yeah, up. Yeah, they got Atlanta, Atlanta in nice. week 11 and week 13. Ooh, got some tough matchups. Two out of three. <laughs> yeah, you're going to love those MT starts uh, in those two weeks against the Falcons. But they also have some stingy matchups like Denver, Philadelphia, Kansas City. And then got Minnesota in the Fantasy Football Championship. So you'd love to see that if you are an MT owner and you've still been holding on let's talk about antonio brown took the brunt end of this complete crumbling that the buccaneers had looks like tom brady was constantly looking for him in this game but yeah. on top of the pass rush you know constantly being under pressure tom had to kind of go to his second read more often than he probably wanted to it seems like he was actually like thinking about it too much right and for these elite athletes that's never something you want to be doing you want to be relying on your training and the habits you've built over time not thinking about it every time you drop back so that's kind of the situation that i think we saw for ab i think things will get better again this is another game you know first game for ab in a season and a half he had three receptions for 31 yards only six fantasy points and we've seen really everyone in this offense need an acclimation period. These This offense has been kind of a carousel, almost like the 49ers where every week there's going to be two guys that are going to be fantasy relevant. You don't really know which ones it'll be, but I think the time will come for Antonio Brown. If you have him, just continue to hold him. Hopefully you didn't have to start him. We were telling everyone in our start sits is like, hey, he's going to be a high risk start this week. Ideally, you can look another direction, but the upside is there. And, and part of that is because Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Gronk also had brutal games, yeah. which makes you feel better about AB's chances. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's incredibly encouraging to see the 78% of snaps that AB got. Bruce Arians already came out this week and said, oh, we need to pull that snap count back. I don't know why he's saying that because AB looked fine in this game, and we didn't see any like elite jaw-dropping plays, but he looked up the speed to me. So, you know, I think Bruce Arians is all talk. He came into this saying, AB wasn't even going to be a full-time player in this game. Maybe the game scripts got away and they just left him out there. But to me, I think this this shows that this is going to be a, a 1A, kind of 1B, maybe 1C approach with these three receivers. To your point, I think all three are elite and they're going to have their up weeks. I would take them, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, AB in that order. But I think AB and Mike Evans might be a little bit closer than people think. Mike Evans has really struggled all season long. Um, when he hasn't been the only guy there and, and getting those touchdowns. So I, you know, I think AB is a serviceable flex in PPR formats and he might be creeping up into that wide receiver three territory as well. I like what I saw from AB. And if I have him, I still probably don't want to start him until I see him put up a better performance and a little bit more production, but I'm definitely holding him because come, you know, the, the final stretch here of the regular season, or even come the fantasy football playoffs, 
if we start to see a B getting 78% of snaps every game and Tom Brady locking in on him, the sky's the limit for what he could do in this offense. We know the talent is there. Um, so I'm interested to see if he can show us that talent here in the next few weeks. He certainly did better than Des Bryant did in his comeback. I think Des got, you know, another guy we won't talk about because he got like one snap for the Ravens. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's fun to see. I, I think this offense is going to bounce back. Let's see what the Bucks do next week. You can almost throw this game out for them. Yeah, this is this is definitely a throwaway game, and really the upside hasn't changed from when you initially picked up AB. Exactly, it just didn't happen in the first week. We knew that was part of the risk. He still has league-winning upside, and get ready for a bounce-back game. I think we could see here against Carolina. I think this will actually be more of a competitive game than we re- most realize. We'll talk about Teddy Bridgewater and, and DJ Moore and some of his struggles, and and really more of this Panthers offense. We'll go ahead and jump into that right now with Christian McCaffrey. In his first game back from that high ankle sprain, he suffered in week two, played 70% of snaps in a shootout against Kansas City, 18 carries on the ground, wasn't super efficient, only 3.8 yards per carry, but caught all 10 targets for 82 yards and a score through the air, a 37-point outing, but now has a potential shoulder injury. Right now, they're listing him as day-to-day. Could end up being longer. I would be surprised if he actually plays this week. I think they're yeah, going to try to keep got, him out and conserve him. I think there's, he got ruled out there's already. There's no real reason when they have Mike Davis taking over that role. So this is just one of those where you have to have a backup plan ready to go if you're a CMC owner. You know, if you look at Mike Davis, who played on 30% of snaps, still saw six targets in this game. Teddy Bridgewater's throwing to the running back position a lot. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's just Teddy Bridgewater, the Joe Brady scheme, or both. Um, but whatever it is, you want to have the running back in Carolina was great to see McCaffrey come back and kind of give you a, a you know 37 bomb and then just kind of dip out again. Uh, tough scene for the CMC holders, but hey, if you started him, you're not too too mad about it. Yeah, total bummer with CMC. I mean, we saw just what could have been all season long, and he's done nothing but prove this year that it just about would have been a repeat of his legendary season he had last year. And hopefully if you had Mike Davis, you held on to him. Hopefully you didn't say, oh, CMC's back. I don't need Davis anymore because – he should be on rosters, and if CMC's out, Davis, I know he struggled a little bit over those past couple or those last couple of games um, before CMC's return, but he's still a must-start for me every single week in PPR. So, to me, hopefully, if you're the CMC manager, when he came back, you bought low on Mike Davis for that insurance policy, um, because you know we'll see what the prognosis is here on CMC. I, I think he's been ruled out for this week. But in the next couple of days, we should get a little bit more information on that injury. It's Wednesday today when we're recording. As far as we know, he's going for a second opinion, which isn't always a good <laughs> thing. Um, so we'll see. Maybe they give us a timeline for when or if he's going to be back this season. But I think the biggest takeaway here is Mike Davis should be back in lineups moving forward. So McCaffrey came back, gave you a great fantasy performance. Another guy that gave you a great fantasy performance that you may or may not have ex- been expecting you probably didn't start him, but if you have him, you have him stashed. I think you're going to feel really, really good about it because Tua Tugaviola had his first real performance in the NFL. This Dolphins defense has been proclaimed by some as the best defense in the league. And because of that, they didn't really need him back in uh, week eight. And now in week nine, we saw the breakout. Looked great against what's been a very solid Arizona defense. Completed 71% of his passes on 28 attempts, 248 yards, two touchdowns, and a surprising rushing stat line as well. Seven rush attempts for 35 yards, so giving you 3.5 extra fantasy points on top of all of that passing production. It's a 21 fantasy point outing in his second NFL start. For Tua, 
you know, are you going to put him right into that Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert tier where you're willing to buy in and start him? Because I, I think I am. I'm not yet. I, I'm encouraged by Tua's, you know, first real performance here when they really needed him to step up. I think he was great. He led that awesome drive right down the field to, to throw that second touchdown he had in the, you know, in the second half of that game against the Cardinals, which was awesome to see just from an NFL perspective. From a fantasy football perspective, I'm not willing to put him in that Herbert Burrow tier yet because Herbert and Burrow are seeing a ridiculous amount of volume in those offenses. They're throwing it down the field, you know, a lot of air yards under their passes. Their OCs are just letting them sling the ball. Their defenses aren't stopping anybody either, so they need to. So that's what's really giving Herbert and Burrow that extra tier of value. Yes, they've been efficient, Herbert more so than Burrow so far. Burrow's still been good. But the volume is why they're a pretty safe play each and every week. And Tua's performance here was awesome. It was good to see. He was an incredible NFL quarterback in this game. He gave you the rushing baseline as well, which was awesome. But I still want to wait and see what he does before we put him in that tier. Now, I will say, I think Tua has entered stream range. We're actually going to talk about him a little bit later for some foreshadowing in our in our starts of the week segment. Ooh. Um, so I think he can provide some sort of floor with that baseline. He's shown he can do it with his arm. You know, Preston Williams is on IR now, so that's a little bit concerning. He still has Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki there, and we'll see who else can step up with Gaskin out in the backfield as well. But this was great to see. I think Tua has the talent to get it done. He's showing he can get it done on the NFL level, and he won the game, which is awesome. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, 2020 has been weird enough as it is, but we're sitting here going into, what, week 10, and the Dolphins are 5-3 and three, and the Patriots are 3-5. and five. If you would have said that a year ago today, I think you would have been laughed out of the room. So we might be living in the matrix with the Dolphins, you know, in playoff position right now, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think I think Tua looked good. I think ideally you're going to wait and see with him. But if you're in a pinch, I know we have some buys this week from Matt Ryan, from Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you're looking for a streamer. He's someone that's in that category for me and, and in a decent matchup. Um, upcoming against actually the Chargers and Justin Herbert. I think both guys could be starts. This game really turned into a very competitive shootout, especially down the stretch. You know, the question for Tua has never been, you know, him as a prospect. He was one of the top prospects coming in. The question was the health. And I think we saw that in this game, the fact that he was scrambling outside of the pocket, not just on those you know seven, seven rushing attempts that he had, but also just in general, like running play action bootlegs, things like that, things that you see like an Aaron Rodgers do who will scramble around you don't typically think as like a rushing quarterback. Tua was able to get those done. Um, it even took some hits in this game. Didn't look like he was shaken up at all. So from a health perspective, you feel great for him there, which is one of the other reasons why you should feel good starting him if you need to. And then secondarily to that, the poise. You know, the fact that Tua, in, and again, just his second NFL start, was able to lead a fourth-quarter drive that ended in a game-winning field goal was fantastic to see. So, you know, for, I'm the type of guy that I'm all I'm looking for in my quarterback position is upside. It's why I was big on Cam Newton before the season. That started out kind of hot and kind of fizzled out from there. That's why I was all in on Justin Herbert. I think Tua is exactly the same type of guy who's just an upside quarterback. I'm willing to put my chips in on him now before everyone else kind of comes around. So if there's any hesitation, if you can get Tua for any, uh, I don't think you're going to be able to buy him low at this point. But if you have him, I think you can go yeah. ahead and start him right now. Would not be surprised to see him at 20 fantasy points again here in week 10 against the LA Chargers. Absolutely. And Steph, let's go ahead and talk about another quarterback that wasn't the first time we saw him this season, but it was the first time we saw him with significant game action. 
It's Alex Smith coming off of that brutal injury he suffered a couple years back. It's remarkable that he even can walk again. And the fact that he's playing <laughs> quarterback in the NFL, first of all, is truly just remarkable and an inspiration. And every time he gets hit, I still cringe. I just want them to like wrap him in bubble wrap or something. But truly such an inspiration. And it's nice to see him playing again. But with Kyle Allen going out with that dislocated ankle, what do we think is going to happen to these Washington football team assets now that Alex Smith is set to be the starter? It doesn't seem like that much really is going to change. I don't know Alex Smith had a brutal stat line. If you look at the box score, threw a couple interceptions. A lot of those weren't his fault. We saw some of those kind of bouncing off the hands of his receivers. And in a game where he threw 325 yards, we don't see that that much from Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins and guys like that. So if he can just sustain the yardage, he doesn't even need to be a good, you know, real NFL quarterback. I know he's going to get that compact player of the year for whatever that's worth. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, I think really you're not going to change that much from these guys. You look at Antonio Gibson, still an startable RB2. We did see a lot of volume go towards J.D. McKissick, who's you know, kind of an appealing like yeah. waiver guy, a deep league PPR flex name who's, you know, cut from the same cloth of guys like Buck Allen in years past, uh, guys like Naheem Hines. J.D. McKissick can be put into that role. He'll be used as kind of that scat back, breather back plus that you love to see from him. So I think he is is startable. Logan Thomas, I don't think much changes for him. Uh, sucks to see for Kyle Allen, you know, having yeah. an ankle injury. I know he wanted to come in, um, you know, improve some people wrong this year. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. It's Alex Smith rest yeah. of the way. And if he gets hurt, I guess we're back to Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I don't think, you know, Kyle Allen or Dwayne Haskins were guys you were really relying on for efficiency. And honestly, I think Alex Smith is likely going to be more efficient than those guys were from just like a completion percentage standpoint and accuracy standpoint. And as far as volume goes, I know they were trailing in this game, but he played less than a full game on Sunday coming in for Kyle Allen. And Alex Smith threw for 325 yards, like you said. And I found some stats on both Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins in their volume. And in 16 starts from Kyle Allen from this season and last season, he's thrown for 325 yards one time. And in 11 starts from this season and last season from Dwayne Haskins, he's thrown for 325 yards zero times. Alex Smith came in for three quarters of action and threw for 325 yards in this game. I know he had the three interceptions. Like you said, a couple were off the hands. And honestly, at the end, they had a couple chances late in that game to come back and tie it. He threw interceptions on those drives. You hate to see it from an NFL standpoint, but like they're pushing the ball down the field. The defense knows what you're going to do. And quite frankly, I still don't think Alex Smith is in that streamer quarterback territory. We're worried about Terry McLaurin, you know, Antonio Gibson, and even in deeper league, Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick. And I think nothing changes. If anything, I think J.D. McKissick becomes a little bit more interesting because Alex Smith has a tendency now to dump down to the running back because you can tell he's feeling that pocket collapsing, um, especially coming off of some of those injuries that he's had. So I think McKissick becomes interesting, but you're not downgrading any of the other guys. So I think you just proceed as normal. I think everyone in this offense in their own way is quarterback proof to where the only way their value is going to change is if they somehow got a much better quarterback where it could come up. I don't think it could be much worse than what they've had from Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and now Alex Smith. And they have a matchup this week here in Week 10 against Detroit. And that's a great matchup. Detroit's that's 23rd juicy. against the quarterback, 32nd, so dead last against the running back, 13th against the wide receiver, 12th against the tight end. That's also in part because you can run 
all over this Detroit team. So go ahead and fire up Antonio Gibson, fire up J.D. McKissick if you absolutely need to. I think both can be startable, matchup-dependent options this week. And Gibson has just been you know, a serviceable RB2 almost all season long. Even when he hasn't gotten the volume, he saved you time and time again. Whether that's been through some pass game usage, whether that's a few breakaway runs, whether that's a touchdown, whatever it might be. Uh, he's giving you serviceable weeks, so keep plugging him right back in there. But Alex, I think we're ready to jump into our running back start sits. This is going to be an intense one because I think we have a lot of names on here that are on the bubble. Guys don't know, look, should I should I start him? Should I sit him? Should I drop him? Should I try to trade for him? Like, what are the values in some of these names? So let's talk about in week nine. It was Chase Edmonds after what a lot of people expected to be a boom game. We mentioned, you know, hey, this could be an Alexander Madison type situation where he comes in for the starter. He's a, he's a true handcuff that's going to take all the volume and explode. And we didn't see that here. Chase Edmonds only had 11 fantasy points. But from a start-sit perspective, you have to start Chase Edmonds. He didn't split the backfield with anybody. And... The efficiency was just disgusting. I mean, what can we say? 25 carries, caught all three of his targets through the air, but only 11.8 fantasy points. The low receiving volume hurt. But if Edmonds can get a little more efficient, get some more goal line opportunities. You know, we saw Kenyon Drake have four touchdowns in seven games and was 11th in the league in goal line carries before he went out. The the opportunities are going to come. Uh, like this week in what should be a competitive matchup against the Bills, who are middle of the pack against the run. They're averaging 23.6 fantasy points a game to the running back position. So if we think, hey, 23 fantasy points, like that's what Chase Edmonds could be this week. If you can see Drake as bad as he was, have some relevant weeks in good matchups like the 49ers, like the Jets, and that big Dallas game. So I think we can expect Chase Edmonds to fit into that role. We know the volume is there. Just hopefully that efficiency goes up in a better matchup. Oh, this is tough. You do still start Chase Edmonds if Kenyon Drake is out. Now, Kenyon Drake, today's Wednesday and we're recording. Kenyon Drake practiced today in a limited capacity. So there's still a chance Kenyon Drake could be active on Sunday. If that's the case, I think you still can start Chase Edmonds, but I think he's not a must start at that point. But if Drake is out, you're right, because of the volume. I mean, yeah, Edmonds was brutal last week from an efficiency standpoint, but 25 carries and three receptions, like, Name other running backs in the league getting that kind of workload, and you're going to name about three guys. So if Drake is out, you do start Chase Edmonds. If Drake is active, I think Edmonds becomes much more of a a flex option. Um, Now, I will say, I think it's interesting rest of season with Chase Edmonds as well, just to say, coming into this week, a lot of people thought, this is the end of the Kenyon Drake experience. Like Edmonds is going to come in, he's going to ball out, and he's going to take that job. I think what Sunday taught us was, Maybe it was the matchup. Maybe it was some other things going on in that game. But it taught me, at least, that I think Drake's going to come back into his full workload. And I think Edmonds is going to continue to be kind of that um, change of pace back in this offense. So when Drake is out there, I think you kind of have to temper expectations for Chase Edmonds. But again, I think um, both guys are going to be startable on, on certain weeks. And it could just come down to which one gets in the end zone. But for this week... Just to, to summarize again, you got to start Chase Edmonds if Kenyon Drake is out, but keep an eye on it because if Drake is active, I would be um, pumping the brakes a little bit. So talk about another guy that is in a shared backfield situation, and it's been one that's he's kind of flown under the radar. If you grabbed him off waivers, you probably started him maybe once or twice over the last three games where he's absolutely delivered. And it's Wayne Gallman, who's had yeah. 16, 13, and 14 fantasy points in his last three outings, all in tough matchups against Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, and the Washington football team. 
Wayne Gallman's only seeing, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game, but he's getting goal line work. He has touchdowns in all three of his starts so far, which has inflated some of his numbers. And um, we have seen him, you know, he have a, a somewhat of a ceiling in the receiving game. It hasn't been huge. You know, five targets, one target, two targets since he's taken over with Devonta Freeman out. We saw Alfred Morris get some work, but, you know, if you're in a desperation RB2 situation or maybe you don't have any other good flex options, would you be willing to plug Wayne Gallman in with this kind of uncertainty in this backfield? Yeah, I mean, if, if Devonta Freeman is out again, I'm I'm fine to plug uh, Wayne Gallman in in a, in a desperation situation. I think Devonta Freeman could be back this week. So this is another situation. You just have to keep an eye on these injury reports throughout the week when you're making these flex decisions. You talk about guys like Chase Edmonds with Kenyon Drake. If Devonta Freeman's active, Wayne Gallman is, you know, I'm not even rostering him on my bench. But with him out, he has been productive and he has been scoring touchdowns and he's been getting work. I mean, he's been getting, what, you know, 10 carries, 12 carries, 14 carries, and a couple of targets here and there as well in this offense. Even though the offense isn't necessarily great, he's been converting touchdowns as well. Yeah, same thing for a guy like DJ Dallas too, where these guys have value, but only if exactly. they move exactly. a step up in the packing order. But they are guys that have shown talent. They've shown that they have the chops to get it done when called upon. And that's when those names become appealing. But you're right. If any of these starters hop in there, uh, do not play them. Let's talk about another guy that, you know, has really been disappointing over the last couple of games is Jonathan Taylor. And really just feels like he's taking his rookie lumps right now. He actually started this game pretty solid uh, against Baltimore. He saw five carries early in the game was converting at 20 uh, at five yards per attempt at 25 yards so far even on a touchdown eight fantasy points things were cruising along and then he had a fumble which led to a Ravens touchdown and he only got one more carry the rest of the game in favor of Jordan Wilkins so there's still a glimmer of hope in this Jonathan Taylor situation is that he was the starter in this Baltimore game like when the game started he was the one getting all the carries he looked good and he has a matchup against Tennessee here in week 10 and they're 20th against the run. They're not stopping anybody through the air either. You've been able to score on the Titans all season long. I don't think you want to start Jonathan Taylor because with Jonathan Taylor, the, the floor is so low that you really don't want to start him. You, know, you can look at any upside wide receiver, even a, like a, a, I'll even, I'll pick a random name here, KJ Hamler that you could throw in for like a one week stream if you absolutely have to in your flex spot. Like there's other directions you could look for a flex, but for a desperation RB2, if you're dealing with those bye weeks, those injuries that we keep bringing up here, I think Jonathan Taylor can be startable. Ideally, you don't want to do that, but you saw the fact that he was the starter it means that he's going to get opportunity. You know, in an ideal situation, don't start him. Let him prove that he's back before you plug him in, just like he has to prove himself over Jordan Wilkins to the, the Indianapolis coaching staff. Yeah, I wouldn't quite go that far. I think you're on the right track. <laughs> Um, you know, KJ Hamler, those that that's like a deep flyer. I think it's a hot take. Yeah, but like his the, floor, like it's the same as Jonathan Taylor's. Jonathan Taylor can give you five I, points. It's, it's true, KJ but, Hamler. But to me, that's out there. And you could be right. Who knows? I mean, Hamler could end up with more points than Taylor this week. It could happen. It's in the realm of possibility. But to me, like I think if you're considering benching Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be for the other guys on this list. It's going to be for a Wayne Gallman if Devonta Freeman's out. It's going to be for a Chase Edmonds. It's going to be for guys we'll talk about here in a second, Josh Kelly and J.K. Dobbins. Like those are the decisions that people are making. I think if you're just looking at the waiver wire and saying, oh, am I going to bench Jonathan Taylor and pick someone up and throw him in my lineup? That's a no. And I think you're right though, Steph. You got to be concerned. I think he's a, 
a deep RB2, I mean, maybe an RB3, um, because last two weeks he's been out-snapped by Jordan Wilkins. And last week he was out-snapped by both Hines and Wilkins. And you just can't trust him right now. But here's the thing with Jonathan Taylor. Each and every week, I'm a Colts fan, so I watch all the games. I see what's going on. This last week he looked great. And then that fumble happened, which was ironically on a pretty good play by Jonathan Taylor, where he fumbled at the end of the play, and that was it. And so what I've really taken away from this offense is they're trying to give Jonathan Taylor the first crack at it every single week. They're trying to get him going with the hot hand, but he's either A, inefficient, or B, he makes a a dumb mistake like that fumble, and he ruins it for the game. But if there's a game where he can come in and stay hot uh, or start out hot and stay hot, I think he's going to have a really nice week. So I know this is the Thursday night game. So if you're listening to this after Thursday, maybe you've already made your decision. But if you do, you know, have the chance, I I would keep Taylor in there. I think he, you know, is I think of a guy like the guy you're describing, Steph, is almost like a Ronald Jones. Like Jones, honestly, is similar in the fact that if he makes a mistake, he could be out for the rest of the game. But when he gets hot, he can have pretty good games. I think the Colts have a little bit of a longer leash with Jonathan Taylor. I think the talent is there as well. So I'd still be willing to start him. I know we've got buys going on. I just... I would be hard pressed to throw in one of these deeper names over him. I think he's just got a little bit more stability than some of those other guys. Oh, that's fair. I think, I think you're a little bit higher on, on him than I am. There's just a lot of concerns there. And you know, it's really going to come down to something like situation where you really can't predict that. Like you can't just look at the matchup on paper and be like, Oh, he should dominate in this game because he could do that and then get pulled for whatever reason. If he drops past pro or I, I will say, I don't even think he's a buy low right now. Because you might just be buying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, temper expectations with JT. So let's talk about Joshua Kelly, who has a matchup against the Dolphins in Week 10. Are you willing to plug him in? Because I know with you know, Kalen Balaz, Troy Main Pope, Justin Jackson injured, there's a lot of things that are up in the air right now. But what conditions would allow you to start Joshua Kelly in a matchup that in days past, you see Miami, you smash that one. But these days, that Miami defense looks pretty The only way I'm starting Josh Kelly is if I'm getting ravaged by bye weeks and injuries and Justin Jackson is ruled out for this game because Josh Kelly's ceiling just feels so low right now. And the floor is also very, very low because you look at this backfield with Austin Eckler out and we expect Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson, one-two punch. Herbert's got this offense humming. You'd think there'd be touchdown opportunities. And yet Josh Kelly has just been so bad that they want to give everyone else an opportunity before him. I mean, Justin Jackson's clearly taken the lead in this backfield. Two weeks ago, we see, you know, Troy Main Pope come in and get 29% of the snaps and a a lot of work in that backfield. And last week we see Kalen Balaj finally freed from the clamps of Adam Gase, come off of the streets to the practice squad, come off the practice squad to the lineup and end up as like a top 10 fantasy running back on the week over Josh Kelly because Justin Jackson left the game early. Like they played a guy off the street over Josh Kelly. So that tells me something. And it's almost like they had to give him 54% of snaps last week because they literally had no one else to give the ball to. So the only way I'm even considering Josh Kelly right now is if Justin Jackson is out. I know the matchup is decent this week against Miami. Like you said, it's a lot tougher than it's been in years past. Um, so I'm trying to stay away and, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So I guess he's not droppable yet. Steph, I texted you earlier this week and said, Hey, would you drop Josh Kelly? And I, 
because I'm thinking about dropping him in one of our leagues and you said no, but he might end up on the waiver wire for you to pick up here in the next couple of days because I just can't get behind him right now. It's tough. It, it, it certainly is tough. The the one thing that does make you feel positive about Kelly is the fact that he saw five targets and caught all five of them for 31 yards in this game. Yeah. Like the receiving volume should be there. You know, we have seen situations where you know, he is used as this between the tackles grinder, just falling forward for two and a half yard gains on the ground and only getting, you know, seven to 12 carries every week. So it's something where the floor is brutally low. Like you could see him put up three points, but I think in some situations in the right matchups, not this week, but probably against the Jets, uh, against Atlanta, you can shoot him in for, you know, 10 plus points, but it, it's been... <laughs> A product oh of how this Chargers gosh. offense has changed with Herbert. So, Steph, do you want to? So we can what? we call an RB one a top twelve guy. Do you want to hear in full PPR some of the names that were RB ones last week here in Week Nine? This is blowing my mind. So welcome to. I don't want to hear it. And and real quick before you talk about Balage again, don't waste waiver or, no, no, or no, no, roster no, no. spots yeah. on him. Like. He's, he's going to be gone very, very soon. That was just a one-week flash-in-the-pan outlier. But let me hear this because this is probably going to make me Think fun. about it. There's 12 guys that are RB1s, and these are guys that were RB1s in Week 9. J.D. McKissick was RB3. Kalen Balazs Ugh. was RB4. James <laughs> Robinson was RB5, which we expect now. But think about this like in the draft, like before the season. No one knew who James Robinson was. Jarek McKinnon. Rex Burkhead, Duke Johnson, Wayne Gallman, and Ryan Nall were all top 12 running backs. So desperate times call for very desperate measures, and that is absolutely mind-blowing. But the fact, again, that they pulled Balazs off the streets of Storyville Kelly makes it tough. I think, Steph, if anything else, for the sake of time, we're just going to say avoid until further notice. Exactly. Yep. You do need uh, JJ to be out to consider jk as potential starter but let's talk about another guy whose initials are jk it's jk dobbins oh that was smooth (laughs) you like that one jk dobbins has a matchup against new england here in week 10 he's still a hold for me for what he could do you know weeks 13 and beyond if mark ingram is out but i certainly don't want to start him against new england with ingram potentially being back in the lineup so this is another situation it seems like all these guys that are on the bubble are contingent on these incumbent running backs being out as well. And last week in another tough matchup against Indianapolis, Dobbins had 12 carries and two receptions, which was great to see. Like if you told me Dobbins is going to get 14 touches a game in this offense, I'd be ecstatic for him. But he had a pretty inefficient game, only 35 total yards from scrimmage, completely on the other end of the spectrum of what we've seen from him so far from when he's been on the field, only five and a half fantasy points in week nine. And that's his floor, which makes him an unappealing RB2 or flex this week. But again, I think if the the situation calls for it on your roster, let's say you're in a 14-team league with maybe some keeper considerations in there, it's like, yeah, keep Dobbins on your bench. Maybe you have to plug him in. Hope he can get you, you know, 10 to 15 points in this game against New England. But not a guy I'm looking to start for this week. Yeah, I agree. If Ingram's out, though, I, I am willing to start him. I mean, he still played the majority of snaps last week, 56%. Um, to J.K. Dobbins, he should see some passing work as well. New England hasn't necessarily done a great job of stopping the running back this year either. I know they did a decent job against the Jets last week in Pirine and Gore. But the two weeks before that, they gave up 30 fantasy points to Buffalo and, and 50 to the running back position to San Francisco. So they can be beat on the ground. But again, again, it's, it's you know, 
beating a dead horse here. You got to keep an eye on these injury reports, see who's in and who's out to make these decisions. If Ingram is out again, I am willing to start Dobbins. But like you said, Steph, I'm keeping him on my roster. I love him as a stash and hold to see if he does get going because he could end up being one of those guys like a Miles Sanders last year um, that really comes on as a rookie and ends up winning you a league. The schedule from week 13 on, you know, that fantasy playoff range, if he is the starter, even if he's like a 50-50 guy, maybe a 45% snap guy, whether it's with Ingram or Edwards at that point, you have Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, the New York Giants, and then Cincinnati. So a lot of great matchups after he gets through this New England, Tennessee, Pittsburgh stretch. But let's move over to our wide receiver starts of the week. Number of guys here that are on the bubble, some deeper names, whether you're in a 12-team league, a 10-team league, or a 14-team league. We'll try to hit on all these different guys. And you know, I've seen the memes on DJ Moore. You know, like, I want to hate something as much as Teddy Bridgewater hates throwing to DJ Moore. <laughs> I feel like his redraft value has just absolutely plummeted. He was a, a guy that a lot of people were high on, us included. You know, before the season, had him as like a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, but only two receptions over the last two games. We're seeing the rise of Curtis Samuel essentially out of nowhere with three back-to-back great fantasy outings from Samuel. And Moore's role has changed to, you know, kind of like a, a just go-route, post-route field stretcher like Robbie Anderson used to be on the Jets before he joined the Panthers. So he's like a low-volume, high-yardage, boom-bust guy. I think you have to move the expectations down with him from a wide receiver one to a flex and he's on a down stretch but he's still seeing a ton of air yards he's 13th in targets eighth in air yards we've seen teddy be fantastic he's fifth in the nfl in passing yards and in this chiefs matchup in week nine teddy threw the ball to running back 16 different times i don't expect that to continue every single week there were 13 targets to robbie anderson so with the 16 of the running backs, 13 to Robbie, there just wasn't enough to go around. The Tampa Bay matchup in week 10 should be a good one. The last time they played, DJ had 20 fantasy points uh, with eight receptions for 120 yards. I'm willing to start him, but I know the floor is a lot lower than I want it to be. Uh, I'd rather take a guy with a more defined role if I can, but if you have to start DJ Moore, if you don't have any other wide receiver options, you can plug him in as a flex and hope for the best. Yeah, I'm fine to flex him. I, I think he's still... And every week flex start for me, I, I you got to take the ups with the downs. I mean, if you look at the full season, he's still wide receiver 21. So he's still in that, in that range. I mean, putting up 13 fantasy points a game, he's right in that range of guys like, you know, you look at Brandon Cooks, T Higgins, Devonte Parker. Um, so he's still startable for me. Uh, you know, he, he's still playing more snaps than any other Carolina receiver. You're right though. Teddy just <laughs> hasn't been looking his way. And it really feels like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson did flip roles for what we expected. We expected DJ to be this heavily targeted, heavily involved, all three levels of the field guy like Robbie has been. And we expected Robbie to be kind of the deep threat like DJ Moore has been. So you got to temper expectations. And I know he's disappointed because where you drafted him was not to be wide receiver 21 through nine weeks of the season. Um, But I I think he's still a start because we've seen it. He's gotten loose deep several times. There's a lot of weapons to guard in this Carolina offense. So he's always got that potential to pop for the big play. And we've seen several big games from DJ Moore this season. As a flex, I think you still roll him out there with some confidence, even in a relatively tough matchup against Tampa Bay. Next up, Jalen Ragor in a matchup against the New York Giants. How are you feeling about him? To me, he's he's a desperation dice roll 
start this week in week 10. Yeah, he should be on rosters, but I'm not trying to start him. I mean, this is similar to anybody coming off an injury. That's kind of like a fringe player. It's similar to guys changing teams. It's similar to what we said about Antonio Brown lately. It's like this guy's a rookie. He's coming off another injury. They're coming off the bye week. He's been you know in and out of the lineup all season long. I think you still have to wait and see with Rager and see if he can get hot. I know he's had a couple of really nice plays this season, but you look at this Eagles offense, even in a good matchup, and they've got Fulgham, who's taken over as the one. Shout out to you, Steph, <laughs> yet again for being all in on Fulgham from the first week of his breakout. Dallas Goddard is back in the lineup. Alshon Jeffrey could play this week. Miles Sanders is going to be back. So Rager could get loose deep. He could see, you know, five, six targets in this game. Maybe Wentz even locks in on him and he gets more than that. But I'm just not counting on him. I think he's, again, you said it best, a desperation, you know, flex play this week. But, again, he shouldn't be on waiver wires. I think you should stash him on your bench and see what you have here with Jalen Rager as he continues to get – um, kind of the rust off in this offense. We've seen him try to shake the rust off a couple different times this year, and then he goes back out due to injury or whatever else. So I think you got to pick him up and see what you got. Uh, but again, you, you got to be bold to throw him out there this week. Yeah, at this point, Ray Gore kind of has that Deshaun Jackson role, you know, but it's he's less proven, right? So we know that the upside is there on this offense. It's just one that, you know, you look at the game script of what's probably going to happen against the Giants. They're probably not going to be in comeback mode needing to air it out, in which case I don't want to start Rager. I'd rather see what he can do in this matchup before I start plugging him in. And Travis Fulgham has just taken over this offense really as a whole. He's He has 26% target share since he's taken over as the starter, which is top 10 in the league. Rager has seen a 30 or a 13% target share in the three games he's played this season. So the target volume just isn't there yet. If the volume goes up, we know Rager can be a splash play guy. So you know, definitely one to keep an eye on. Keep him stash, but don't plug him in this week. But a guy you probably do want to plug in this week, a guy who's been absolutely exploding lately. He's on a tear right now, Christian Kirk. And at this point, you have to look at him as a startable low-end wide receiver two or flex play. And his issue for most of the year has been volume and injuries. It has not been efficiency. 20-plus fantasy points over the last three weeks, all in good matchups. He had five touchdowns in that span. And the Bills should be another good matchup with DeAndre Hopkins there drawing the attention away from the, with the secondary. Kirk has been capable of big plays. We saw a 56-yard touchdown against Miami last week. It's a beautiful ball from Kyler looking like Russell Wilson out there. I think you got to ride the wave with Christian Kirk, plug him right back in, expect 15-plus in this game. It doesn't necessarily feel great, and it feels like any given week he's going to bust her out. But one of our themes this year, Steph, I feel like has just been you got to ride the wave, whether it was Chase Claypool after the big game, like, or some of these other guys, you just have to ride the hot hand and see what you got. And with Christian Kirk, you said it, three straight 20-plus point games. Even the couple games before that, he was double digits. So he's had a decent floor this year with Kyler Murray just absolutely balling out in this up-tempo offense. So with Christian Kirk, I mean, you got to keep riding the wave. <laughs> Throw him in there, see what he can do um, until he proves you otherwise. That's that's kind of what you got to do in fantasy football. Don't overthink it. Just, just play the hot hand. And yes there's a chance that Christian Kirk could come out and give you a five-point game or something like that. But in, to me, it's like until he shows me that I shouldn't be starting him, there's no reason for me to overthink it. He's seeing a decent amount of snaps, um, still seeing less snaps, ironically, than Larry Fitzgerald in this offense. But he's on the field a ton, and he's getting utilized on these jet sweeps and other things as well with his speed. So 
Christian Kirk is a start for me this week in your flex. Yeah, unless you're like a degenerate gambler, you know, I think you got to put Christian Kirk in just based on what we've seen. Right. Yeah. Like we can, and like you said, put- the matchup is good too. The matchup, the matchup helps as well. It should be high scoring. They should be able to move the ball. And all we can operate off of is the data that we have. And so far, Christian Kirk has been extremely productive. Let's talk about another guy who's been relatively productive over the last couple of weeks since returning from an injury, and that's Sterling Shepard. And I know, Alex, you were all over Golden Tate uh, in draft season as a really, really late name that you could take in the, the back end of the double-digit rounds. Dang, we had just to bring a- that up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, you loved him because he was a high-floor flex play, but that's kind of what we've seen Sterling Shepard turn into. And I said it all offseason, when Shepard is healthy, he is the no-question number one for the New York Giants. It's not Darius Slayton. And we've seen Golden Tate now in the doghouse. He was a healthy scratch suspended by the team for the Week 9 outing. And because of that, Sterling Shepard's seen eight or more targets since he's come back from injury. He's not getting deep downfield targets like a Golden Tate might have. But he does have that in his wheelhouse. You're never going to expect like a two-touchdown explosion game for, from Sterling Shepard, especially not against Philadelphia in Week 10. But I think Shep is safe for seven-plus targets, 50-plus yards. The Eagles are good against the run, uh, and they're about dead even against the pass. Hopefully, Darius Slate plays coverage on Darius Slayton, so we can see that Darius matchup there. Uh, but even if that is the case where... Darius Slade does play up on Shepard. Shepard's been moving all around the formation. He played has played 30% of his snaps from the slot. So I think New York's going to find a way to get him the ball. Really, you just hope that Danny Dimes can come in and execute and keep that floor as high as we've seen it be. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Sterling Shepard. Danny Dimes hasn't been, you know, that breakout season that a lot of people, myself included, thought he was going to have. But he's done enough to support some of these weapons. We've seen a couple of big games from Slayton and Shepard since he's come back from that injury has been fantastic. It's been three weeks, and he's had an average of 15 fantasy points a game in the last three weeks. He's wide receiver 16. So, again, with with Shepard, it's a lot different than a guy like Christian Kirk. He's actually giving you a really high floor, and and you said it. Whenever Sterling Shepard is healthy, he is the number one for this team, and that has not changed. So, if you have Sterling Shepard, it's a different situation. you got to look at your opponent, look at what you really need, but I'm fine starting. If you need a high, consistent floor and you just need – um, you know, a solid 10, 12 points out of somebody. Shepard's your guy. If you're going against like the juggernaut in your league and you want that upside, I think you might turn to somebody like a Christian Kirk, uh, for example. So I like Sterling Shepard and I think he's very, very startable this week. He's just a floor guy, you know, not a sexy upside name, but he's going to be able to get it yep. done. But let's talk about a guy that has really been underperforming since his bye week in week seven. The last two weeks against Green Bay and Detroit, it is Justin Jefferson has seen season lows in his snapshot the last two weeks. I think that's more of a function of Dalvin Cook running all over the Packers and the Lions. But for Justin Jefferson in a Week 10 matchup against Chicago, are you willing to roll him out there? I'm I'm kind of tentative with the Chicago matchup being what it is. Oh, man, this is tough. I think uh, I'm trying to avoid but I'm willing to. Like, I would take both Sterling Shepard and Christian Kirk, who we just talked about this week, over Justin Jefferson. Um, but I'm still willing to roll him out there. I mean, I'm someone who has Adam Thielen in, in multiple leagues, and the last two weeks have been disappointing for anyone catching passes on the Vikings, unless your name's Irv Smith Jr. getting these dump downs on the one-yard line. So, 
the the passing volume just hasn't been there because we've seen Dalvin Cook absolutely explode against these weak rushing defenses, and the passing game hasn't had to do anything. They're in positive game scripts. Kirk Cousins doesn't need to throw the ball. And if they can take the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands and put it in Dalvin Cook's hands, they're going to do it nine times out of ten. So, again, I I think the Bears matchup is actually good in some ways for both Thielen and Jefferson because it should slow down this Minnesota running game. Um, But having said that, like, they're also very stingy against the pass. So maybe it's more of a balanced game from the Minnesota Vikings. We just don't see the overall efficiency and production. Um, But I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen should see more volume this week. I just don't know that the production is going to be there. So kind of to circle back, I'm willing to start Jefferson, but I would avoid if you have other options. Yeah, I'm with you. I am willing to start him in rosters where I need to. Last one here. Another rookie wide receiver coming off a pretty nice boom game against Atlanta. 24 and a half fantasy points, 14 targets, seven receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. It's Jerry Judy. Potentially, we just saw his breakout game. He has a matchup now against Las Vegas. Are you willing to go chase those points with Jerry Judy? I am. Jerry Judy was the guy in this game. I mean, not only did he put up the production but he was getting the snaps and the targets as well. I mean, he saw 84% of snaps in this game, and Drew Locke was clearly focused on him as his number one receiver. I know in the past few weeks we've seen Noah Fant get a lot of attention, and we've seen um, Tim Patrick even be much more involved than we thought. It took Jerry Judy quite a while to ramp up, but 14 targets in this game against the Atlanta Falcons is ridiculous. I know the Falcons' defense is a little bit weak, but the Raiders – have been giving up points as well, and they've been putting up points of their own. So I expect this game to be a higher scoring game. I need to check the line here really quick to see what Vegas is expecting. Um, But I'm willing to roll out Jerry Judy. I think, you know, the targets are going to continue to be there. And in a game that should be higher volume and higher scoring, I think he could put up numbers. It's a 51 point over under. um, So Vegas is expecting a decent point total as well. So I'll play Jerry Judy. I'll play him over Justin Jefferson, another rookie we just talked about this week. It's also coming off a 10-target game against the Chargers. So since Drew Locke has been back at QB for the Broncos, Judy has been benefiting from that. I think the rapport is building. And look, for Judy, he was actually really inefficient. Only caught 50% of the passes thrown his way. But if you're getting double-digit targets, you don't have to be that efficient to be able to produce. You add in a touchdown here or there, you're going to feel pretty good with that. Seems like that with uh, you know the running game kind of slowing down between Gordon and Lindsey, They really have needed to pass the ball a little bit more. And I think they're able to move the ball a little bit better that way. And Drew Locke's kind of showed out. So I think Judy is a guy that you can fire up in your flex spot. But let's talk about our strong starts, our starts of the week in week 10. Guys that we expect to exceed expectations, whether that's a deeper kind of streamer name that we think is going to blow up that you can plug in. Maybe it's a, a stud that's coming off a rough outing or is heading into a tough match. And we want to tell you, hey, don't fret, don't worry. Plug them right back into your lineup. We had a couple big hits last week. I know like Marvin Jones was a, a deeper name who ended up, you know, he didn't kill you, but he was solid. Uh, Swift, AJ Brown. Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen absolutely exploded, which actually leads me to my quarterback start of the week, which is Jared Goff against the Seattle Seahawks. So you picked Allen in that matchup last week. I'm going back to the well with a different quarterback in the same matchup in Jared Goff. Same process here. And Seattle is the second highest scoring offense in the league, and they're the second easiest matchup 
four quarterbacks. From a fantasy perspective, the Seahawks are an absolute dream. The Rams are coming off a bye week. They've now had two weeks to prepare for a home divisional matchup against the Seahawks. So this should be a fun one. So Goff is everything you want in a streaming quarterback. I know he hasn't been the most efficient. He's had a pretty low floor, you know, compared to a lot of other quarterbacks. But in the right matchup, you can plug him in. And, you know, we look at Seattle. It's not going to get much better than that. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm starting him in our home league, Steph. And I'm super hyped about it, actually, because Seattle has just given up the points to the quarterback position. But my start of the week's a little more dicey. It's not quite as chalk, and it's in that streaming range. It's Tua Tagovailoa against the Los Angeles Chargers in the battle of these two rookie quarterbacks, Herbert and Tua. And honestly, this just comes down to what I saw from Tua last week and a nice matchup. The Chargers are 24th against the quarterback position in fantasy football. So they're definitely giving it up, and they're allowing 27 points per game so far this season. So I expect this to be a higher-scoring game. I expect Tua to need to throw the ball a little bit more. That is, if their defense stops scoring touchdowns. And the best thing about Tua is he adds a really nice rushing baseline. I mean, last week we saw the seven carries for 35 yards. He was moving in the pocket, scrambling, things like that. So if he can get loose and run in a touchdown, he might not need to throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns in this game. So I like Tua as a really nice floor option if you're feeling like rolling the dice here in week 10. Um, You know, obviously I'd rather have Herbert in this battle of rookies, but um, if you're looking at the waiver wire needing a start with Mahomes or Matt Ryan on by, look no further than Tua. I'm all in on Justin Herbert. I've been such a big Herbert fan. I think this rookie shootout is going to be so fun. And what's crazy about with, with Herbert in the game since he's taken over, you know, they, they've only won, what, one game and lost six. And their combined loss total from a point standpoint is 24 points. So they just keep wow. losing these down-to-the-wire shootouts. We saw it again in week nine with two different attempts in the back of the end zone where Herbert was throwing these perfect balls, but the receivers couldn't come down with it. I'm excited for this game, actually. You know, the, the game of uh, Kyler versus Tua last week, that Miami-Arizona matchup was such a fun one to watch. But let me get into my running back start of the week. It's Leonard Fournette against wow. the Carolina Panthers. I think he's a solid RB2 with upside this week. And the thing about Fournette is that he's been seeing the same, if not more, receptions than any other Buccaneers receiving option. That's including Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown, and Gronk. Uh, all those guys, except for AB, had six receptions, and AB had five. You look at Rojo, he's pretty much unstartable at this point. He did actually see four targets of his own. And and bottom line with, with that backfield situation with Rojo and Fournette is that the volume is going to be there for Tom Brady running backs through the air. It's just a fact. And it's just going to continue. And they're not going to fade away from that. Give me that in a good matchup against a bottom five run defense with the Panthers where the rushing volume can still be there in the double-digit ranges for Fournette. And there's a chance to score if the offense gets moving again. We've seen Fournette still have splash plays on the ground. He's top 10 in breakaway runway run rate. So you throw out the last game where the Bucks crumbled. If things even regress slightly, Fournette should be a shoe-in for 14-plus points with 20-plus point upside if he happens to find the end zone against Carolina. Wow. Another another start of the week that's for the bold there, Steph. I mean, I like it. I You know, it's going to be interesting in this game against Carolina real quick um, to see what happens if the Bucs get up in this game. We've seen Fournette be hyper-involved the last couple of weeks because they needed to pass, and he is their pass-catching back, and Rojo's kind of gotten phased out. 
It's going to be interesting to see what happens against Carolina if they jump out to an early lead, whether Fournette gets some of that groundwork or whether Rojo is the one grinding out that clock if they do have a lead early. I certainly would rather start Fournette than Rojo in this game, but it's going to be interesting to see how that backfield continues to shake out. And my start of the week is another split backfield. At least we think it's going to be this week with Nick Chubb coming back. It's Kareem Hunt against the Houston Texans. And this one's all about the matchup. Houston is 29th against the running back position. I mean, Houston just got gashed last week by Jake Luton and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think Kareem Hunt's going to be fantastic in this game. He's a great pass catching option. Even with Nick Chubb coming back, some people are going to have concerns with Kareem Hunt. But I think Chubb, like we've seen time and time again in the season, unless your name's Christian McCaffrey, guys coming off of injury have kind of had to shake off the rust. They've gotten worked into the offense. I expect that to be the case for Nick Chubb as well. Um, Coming into this game, I expect Hunt to still get a really, really strong workload. And let's not forget that over the first few weeks of the season, Kareem Hunt was still an RB1 while he was sharing this backfield full time with Nick Chubb. So don't fear the comeback of Chubb in this offense. Keep rolling Kareem Hunt out there with confidence. The matchup certainly helps as well against the It's a low-key, really, really fun matchup for fantasy, this Texans-Browns game, uh, which is why my wide receiver start of the week is is Brandon Cooks against the Cleveland Browns. And we got to change our perspective now on Cooks. You know, over time, as you you get new data, you see how the games play out, you got to change your mindset on a lot of these players, no matter how high or how low you drafted them. And if we take out the goose egg game, that zero point outing, the game where Bill O'Brien got fired, Brandon Cooks has been at 15.1 fantasy points a game. That's 21st amongst wide receivers. And if you look at Cooks since Bill O'Brien was fired, so just a shorter stretch there, he's at 20.5 fantasy points per game, which will be third amongst all wide receivers. And it seems like the floor is magically regenerated for Brandon Cooks. Nine or more targets. In the last couple games is what you need from Deshaun Watson. We saw him have a 57-yard breakaway touchdown catch. Brandon Cook still has some juice. Fire him up against a secondary that gives up 42 points a week to wide receivers. I love it, Steph. And let's stay in that Cleveland-Houston matchup. I'm going with Jarvis Landry against the Houston Texans. You said everything that needed to be said about the matchup. I mentioned it earlier, DJ Chark just posted 27 points against this Houston Texans defense with Jake Luton throwing him the ball. Imagine what Jarvis Landry is going to do in this game. He's going to be a target hog from Baker Mayfield. He saw 11 targets last week with no OBJ. So, I mean, this just has breakout game written all over it if Jarvis is able to get into the end zone. He had one almost touchdown um in that first game without obj that got called back he did drop it but it was pretty close so i expect obj to be locking in on him time and time again and even in the red zone in this one and talk about the matchup some more houston is 26th against fantasy football wide receivers this season 48 points per game given up to opposing wide receivers who else on the browns is going to get those points at the wide receiver position it's going to be a lot of jarvis landry in this game it's a 51 and a half point over under Expect a lot of points in this one. And for the sake of our starts of the week, let's hope it's a shootout. Even Austin Hooper, you could see some of that volume as well. So I think he's another interesting streamer option. If he was out there, you can pick him up and plug him in. As I know you're doing in some spots, Alex. But my tight end start of the week is Dallas Goddard. You know, we know this tight end landscape is absolutely brutal. Always has been over the last couple of years. But Dallas Goddard plays the Giants. He got the rust off uh, back in, what was that, week eight? 
Then he got the bye week. If you stashed Goddard, now is the time to take the risk and plug him in if you need him. In the matchup we all loved watching, right, on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago, Eagles versus Giants, they're right back at it. Zach Ertz is still injured. Goddard's coming off a pretty intense injury, a high ankle sprain and a fractured tibia. So I'm willing to cut him some slack, kind of easing back into the field, onto the field. And the indicator for me um, that he's going to have a good game here is that he was on the field a ton, even coming off that injury, enough to feel good about his health. Goddard played on 83% of snaps in the game against Dallas, where they really didn't need to throw the ball that much. He only saw one target, which he did catch and, and take for 15 yards. So you'd think, hey, the volume's going to go up. This offense might be at finally full health or some semblance of it with Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Ragor, and Travis Fulgham all healthy. It seems that Wentz is going to find a way to make plays and move the ball. I mean, if most people think uh, Wentz is as good as, as they think he is, then you know there should be no problem here for Dallas Goddard to eat. And in that case, I am willing to plug him in as a Carson Wentz fan. I like it. I'm staying in that same game. That's my theme. I'm just staying in the same games that you are, Steph. I'm going Evan Ingram <laughs> on the other side of the ball against Philly. Evan Ingram burned a lot of people early this season, but he is getting absolute volume in this Giants offense. And you just have to chase the targets at the tight end position because it is so thin this season. He's been involved all year long, just has had no efficiency. And we're finally starting to see him come on a little bit. But if you look at the full season, he's getting seven targets a game. That's third at the tight end position. Over the last three weeks, he's the tight end three. I know it's a small sample size, but he's finally getting up to speed for what we expected Evan Ingram to be this season. And back to the matchup. It's great. The Eagles are 29th in the NFL against the tight end position in terms of fantasy points allowed per game. So you got to roll Evan Ingram out there against the Philadelphia Eagles. We know he has the athletic profile to take any play to the house, a 4-4-2, 40-yard dash time, which is absolutely ridiculous considering the average wide receiver 40 time is 448 at the combine so this guy is basically a wide receiver speed and a tight end's body so you got to love what you have in Evan Ingram Daniel Jones looks his way early and often and if you've got him on your team he's been coming on high you got to throw him out there this week against Philly 100% 100% well Alex I think that wraps up our week 10 preview episode our week 9 recap whatever you want to call it and it was a hell of an episode. So hyped for this slate here. Things are really, really heating up in a lot of these playoff races. I know like in some leagues, I'm five and four, just right on the cusp. Got to get a win this week. It's so crucial. Uh, so if you guys do have start sick questions, I know like we talked about a lot of running backs, for example, that have injuries that, that could change the way their week 10 is going to go. So as we get closer to game time, if you need help making those decisions, hit us up down in the comments or on Twitter. That's at Double Move Sport on Twitter. Drop your start sit questions down below on YouTube. And as always, a sub and a like is greatly appreciated. That helps us a ton. Keeps the momentum, keeps the wind in the sails here, guys. But thank you all so much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.